All right. So coming up on this episode of Bro, Do You Even Talk Pinball, we've got a special episode with, with special guests to have a roundtable discussion on the business of pinball, specifically operating pinball machines, distributing pinball machines, all that and more coming right up. Double Super Jackpot! Lane and Kevin Manny of Buffalo Pinball. Whoa, boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. What's going on, everybody? Uh, happy uh, February. Yeah, it's February. It's almost uh, Valentine's Day. Hope you're uh, spending it with your loved ones. Nick Lane, what's going it's on? Your, it's your boys, Nick and Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Coming at you with another banger. Than, uh, yeah. Who do you love more than the bros, right? <laughs> you know, there you go. That's right. That's right. Happy, right. happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Thank, th th thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We got some special guests and some, some great uh, discussion ahead. But first, we can't do this without thanking our partners. So, Nick, do you want to do the honors? Oh, I got I yeah, changed my layout. I got to move the pin side. Let's Hang on. do it. Ugh. You you do the read. Amateur hour. Yeah. All that. right. We'll, we'll, well, let's uh, let's let's start with our premier partner, Pin City and Pin City Lighting Kit. This will illuminate the hell out of your pinball machines. It's controlled by iOS Android app. Uh, he's got several different models. Uh, I like I like the Neos. I like the Pin City Neos. That's that's my sweet spot right there. And then, if that's not enough, uh, there's a 10% discount when you use coupon code BUFFALO. And if you actually pay attention, we give away a set of Pincidiums every month on the Bro Show. And like 20 people enter to win, which is crazy because these things are valued like $350. So just just get in next month. I want to see like 40 entries. Easy. Easy. Just pay attention. We do it uh, once a month. All right. the, well, let me give the pro tip before you move on. If you subscribe to the Twitch channel... You, and join the Discord. You get access to a special uh, channel in Discord where you can enter and vote early for the giveaways uh, every week. So support yeah. the channel, and you get a little little bonus out of it. Good job, Kevin. All right. Well, go. listen. I this is this is. I hope you're not skipping over the ads this month. Yeah, nope. People oh, are, no. are listening because <laughs> we've got the man himself from Comet Pinball, Ryan Wenger. He's going to do an ad for Comet Pinball. Ryan, tell us about <laughs> Comet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Comet Pinball, modern lighting for your pinball machines. If you've uh, seen a machine lately that has beautiful looking LEDs in them or any time in the last year, they're probably, probably Comet bulbs. And uh, so we've, we've got, I don't know, we've got kits for games. We've got a thousand different products. It's crazy. Come check it out. If you've watched me stream my Adam's Family or Doctor Who, they're both totally decked out with Comet kits. They look great. That's, that's right. There you go. Yeah, all my all my games that don't have stock LEDs have comment. So it's it's like a no brainer. You got the, you got like a monopoly. The government's gonna break up your operations. <laughs> no other I don't know. Place There's to that, go. that new uh, company that the IFPA posted about today. I don't know who the hell they were, but oh, okay. Oh shit. We'll do a hit piece on them. <laughs> all right. And if that's not enough, uh, our next sponsor, he's gonna be able to do his own ad as well. Zach Many from Flipping Out Pinball. You're up, man. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Buffalo land. What's going on? We've got uh, flipping out pinball, I guess. I guess buy a pinball machine from flipping out or a brand new beautiful topper. We've got used machines we sell for most of the uh, major manufacturers out there. 
You can hit us up at flipinoutpinball.com. That's flip, the letter in, outpinball.com. Or you can text me at 812-457-9711. And for God's sakes, go buy some Comet pinball bulbs. You got those hot new uh, Stern Insider Connected kits too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, get them while they're hot because uh, <laughs> they're hard to keep in stock. There you Don't go. text weird things to Zach. Well, that's just an open invite to do that. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Here they come. I think I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> Test it out. All right. Yeah, Kevin, let them know you heard the ad on Buffalo and send them a text. I, I need my cheat sheet. Put up the, the, the rest of the partners who are, not on, who are not on this call. Not now, at least. Maybe some <laughs> other right, time. Make sure we get everybody. All right. There we'll you go. Do it in order. Yeah. I mean, I know this by heart. Come on. All right. Titan Pinball, of course. Another OG. Titan Pinball makes silicone rings, but, but so much more. The most comfortable mat in the world. And uh, again, like I like their 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 pinballs. When I have to replace the pinballs in my pinball machine, and uh, they have a product that I will always be buying from now on, which is their kind of static cling flipper button protector, and that will save for like five dollars. You can save five hundred dollars if you're Nick Lane. <laughs> All right, pinside.com, pinside.com, man, uh, that is the that is the place to go to buy, sell, discuss hear news, rank, and rate pinball machines, and just argue with your fellow man. That's pinside.com. And then we've got pinballraffle.org, the original raffling uh, for charity. You can support charity. You can potentially win a pinball machine. It's a win-win in my book. That's uh, pinball.edu, pinballraffle.org. Head over there. And then last but not least, Jersey Jack Pinball Makers and the most beautiful pinball machines on the planet. And you can you can buy a Jersey Jack from Zach. He'll sell it to you. He will. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We should mention that we ha have a giveaway going on right now from Flipping Out Pinball. Type uh, hashtag giveaway in chat if you're watching live to enter to win a Mandalorian Translate. So thanks to Zach and Flipping Out for that. And it's a bonus for you who's watching live. Thanks for tuning in. He, he, Zach right. just entered himself. There you go. <laughs> All right. Save himself a couple bucks from shipping if he wins. So so here's the gist of the show. So I've we've gotten a number of requests to talk about like operating pinball machines. Is I've I've been an operator since 2017. I'm, I'm like the side, right? Like this is not my my full time job. So um, we've been meaning to get to it. I, I think it's a cool topic to talk about, especially uh, people who are just curious or, or even people who are thinking about getting into it, or maybe others who are into operating and just wondering what's going on for other operators. So I I think it's a cool topic and. You know, as as we were getting into this, I was like, well, I, I can make this more interesting by bringing in somebody who does this full time and has been doing this longer than me as a larger operation, uh, which is Ryan from Comet. So, you know, great guy, great sponsor. Uh, I think that will add to the conversation. So so we'll start off talking about that. But then I I was like, well, if we're going to talk about the pinball business, let's get Zach Many in here because that's the other side of it. Right. Is is selling pinball machines and hearing from a distributor. I don't think we hear a lot from the, the distributor side of things, um, and especially with what's going on and in, in how crazy pinball is right now. Uh, I, I think I think that'll be interesting. So this is the kind of like the conversations that I, I like to have and what I'm really into, and I hope you guys are as well because I think it's going to be a fun show. So um, let's start with the operating side, and thankfully we got, we've got Kevin Manny and, and, and we got Zach Manny who can ask questions along that, and, and I'll kind of steer the conversation um but ryan do you want to just do uh like kind of a, a brief intro to your, brief intro to yourself about how you got into pinball how you got into um operating pinball machines as well yeah sure i uh in 2013 i ended up getting an arcade game uh just sort of randomly uh i saw one at a um 
a consignment shop for like a few hundred bucks. And I, I realized like, Hey, I'm an, an adult with a basement and a little bit of extra money. And so I bought a few arcade games and got into like fixing them. And, um, when I would talk to people about it, they would always say, Hey, uh, do you have any pinball machines? You know, my friend, you know, has a few in his basement or my uncle does or growing up, you know, someone down the street. And it was always some story about pinball and never about arcade games. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing the boat here with pinball. So I used to uh, love going to arcades as, as a kid, but pinball kind of sucks when you don't know what you're doing and you're not good at it. It seems, seems very unfair. And so, um, so then I ended up um, starting to play pinball, really getting into it, bought a game, bought another game. And then I knew somebody, uh, a friend who wanted one for their office and they decided it was like too expensive to, to buy a machine and they didn't know how to fix it. And so I said, Hey, I can, I'll, I'll get a machine and um, you guys can pay me for it every month. And so a month later they wanted another game. And then a month later they referred me to somebody else. And so it just kind of happened like that. And um, I bought a machine from somebody who had the opportunity to put uh, our machines into a bar, into a barcade that had just opened. And um, so I kind of helped uh, her out. Her name's uh, Kim Jones. She has a place called Pinball Jones in Fort Collins. So we worked together and initially it started out being all of her machines. And over time she would take hers out and I would put mine in until um, they were all mine. And so then it, I, I don't know, it was very, it was not intentional at all. I, I just really loved pinball and I loved uh, getting the opportunity for, to introduce other people to play pinball and, and to have good playing machines on location. So how many uh, how many locations do you have right now, and how many machines are out on route? Uh, well, it's changed a bit in the last few years. Um, I, the The main public location that I started with uh, was closed during COVID, and then um, I'm not doing the machines there anymore. Uh, so it's I guess um, I my my main yeah <laughs> the main thing that also happened during COVID is that. Uh, my favorite arcade, Lions Classic Pinball, which is um, just pinball machines. It's the largest uh, place like that in Colorado. They were going to close forever because of COVID, and I got to take over. So now things used to be that I've, I felt like I was operating in a few different places, and now it feels like I have my own arcade, and then there's just like a few things on the side. So I've got 52 machines at Lions Classic Pinball, uh, two at a pizza shop, 10 arcade games at a brewery, and um, like four or five machines at offices. Gotcha. So how much how much time do you spend a week on? I mean, you've got the the business of Comet and LEDs. How much time are you spending in a week on the operating side of pinball? I don't have a very good answer for that at all. Um, when um, when I had the Barcade Press Play, there was thirteen machines there, and maybe, maybe I'll say I'll speak to that. So I, when I had thirteen machines at a um, this barcade i would say i would say once or twice a week i was going in to fix something that seemed kind of urgent you know something that was that was broken and you know some of those could just be a few minutes but some of those might be a few hours um and then you know what would happen is like i would go and do a collection and that would take an hour or two and then i'd fix some things and clean some things and then i'd stay and then there'd be league night and so um you know, it, knowing exactly how much time I spent fixing was very much wrapped up in also um, running tournaments and running leagues and just being there working on a machine and someone comes in, a friend of mine, and we talk or 
somebody who who is like comes over and they're like i've never seen the inside of a pinball machine this is amazing um so i i would say those 10 i guess i'd guess you know those 10 games maybe is five or 10 hours a week probably for for 10 to 13 games that we're getting a moderate amount of play gotcha and i think um it's it's interesting to have this discussion because there's like pre-COVID operating pinball machines and then post-COVID and there's like the answer can kind of varies when when you focus on uh, one of those time frames. But um, you mentioned leagues. I, I'm sure you have tournaments out there. What's like the size of like your your leagues and tournaments? I'm I'm wondering how like impactful having leagues and tournaments is on the business. Like if it, it how big is it and if you if those leagues and tournaments were to disappear what would that do to your business? Yeah, that's a, um, I hadn't thought about it specifically numbers wise, but I know that. So before I started, um, this was, this, um, arcade was called press play is in Boulder. So Boulder is a town of like a hundred thousand people, um, which, you know, not, not that big compared to, um, a lot of the places where there's huge pinball venues. Um, before, before I opened that up, there was a, uh, pizza place with maybe four machines they didn't have any um they did have some events many years ago and then they kind of like went away and so um my league ended up being between like uh 15 and 30 people and and so that basically i was running that continuously you know that you'd, you'd have it every week once a week and then maybe after the season take a few weeks off and then start it again and you know it was mostly the same people coming back um some people would come and go but I would guess, um, you know, I, I would guess maybe a quarter to half of the money that came into the machines was because of, because of leagues and tournaments and, and not just those nights, but also like those players, you know, coming back at other times during the week and, and playing. Yeah. And I think that's an important point point. And I, and I'm not surprised because, you know, one of the things that motivated me to get into operating pinball machines, I mean, it was a desire to put pinball machines around Buff the Buffalo area. Cause it was just kind of located at this one place and that place is where we're a total asshole to a Buffalo pinball and eventually banned me from there because they hate money. Um, but be, besides that, I mean, I, I just saw like, this is a way of exposing more people to pinball, but also there's, there's leagues and tournaments, right. And we saw growth in that. And, if you think about how much money does a, like a pinball person spend on pinball in a year? I mean, I can, I even put out a survey to try to get an idea. It's hundreds of dollars, I would say, right? Um, versus like the casual person. There's a lot of casual people, but they may throw a few bucks into a pinball machine. So what I, I saw that when we had pre-COVID, when we, we were kind of just running on all, all cylinders, we had a number of locations, and these locations might, we had a few of them that would have like eight, pinball machines eight to ten something like that um when we would run leagues and tournaments and events we did we did good on revenue like the machines were making like a good amount of money to justify doing the business now the variables change because of covid so you got to throw that in there but i've seen a tremendous drop off in revenue now that we're not doing leagues and tournaments anymore i mean we lost locations so we can't do the uh, leagues and tournaments like we used to we used to have like a travel league so we have less locations, we have less machines at these locations, but you know, we some of the revenues are down four x, five x from that. And I'm not surprised. I mean, I would I would have arguments with my um, some of my business partners. They would totally disregard 
like pinball leagues and tournaments, they thought casual people were really the bulk of our money. But I, I, I knew that wasn't the case, and I'm seeing it now. And that's, I think, the one of the things I want to impress on people who are listening to this and thinking about starting up a route or thinking about putting games on location is those people who are pinball people, you got to find a way to engage them. You know, if, if you've got a community that has maybe a home league or has leagues and you can find a location and start putting machines in there, make sure you're getting a tournament, make sure you're getting like a, a standing league or something. And, and that's going to make a huge difference. That's going to help you um, have a chance to be successful in the business. I got a totally. question and, for Ryan. And, um, yeah. The, so uh, were you the one running these leagues and tournaments or did you, do you have enthusiasts in the area who are doing it at your location or how does that work out for you guys? Um, it was me doing it. Um, it didn't have to be, I guess, you know, I probably could have tried to find somebody, but I, I really like, you know, playing myself and um, yeah. So, so it was me, but I know there are, um, there, I know there are places nearby that have different arrangement. You know, there's um, a lot of times it is the operator and, you know, you have to go and, do collections and work on machines anyway. So it makes sense to, you know, try and maybe just pair that with a league night. Um, but, uh, I know there are places where, um, you know, the, the operator is just not somebody who's, who's into leagues and tournaments. And so they'll have somebody else run it. Um, what, um, what do you, what do you like, what do you like? What's what excites you about operating pinball machines? Um, I, I get a lot of satisfaction in just like watching people have a good time, you know, playing, um, playing machines. The, you know, when we were talking about leagues and tournaments, like a lot of people will say, um, you know, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not that competitive or I'm not good enough or whatever, but like, that's, you know, in, in any league or tournament that I'm in around here, there are like world-class players and there's people who, don't even you know know the rules to to the game they're playing um just like a wide range of things and so just like uh, building a community i this is something i guess i've i've done in other aspects of my life before pinball that i didn't quite realize but um you know things like i've i've like captained you know sports teams and like you know when i was a kid i i ran like a nintendo club you know and we would, and so uh you know i guess sort of like creating something that's gets people together like just to have a good time and and build friendships is is probably the thing that uh yeah that i'm into the most about it yeah i mean i i, I can totally relate to that you know I, I i like the idea that i'm exposing people to pinball right and and i think pinball is special and it just needs to be on the public i kind of feel weird sometimes that i have this collection of like you know i, I don't know 14 games in my basement and a lot of times they're not getting played there's something like a selfish aspect of that. So I, I feel like I'm doing my part for pinball by making sure that there's some out that people can just go and play and experience. And I think when you talk to people about pinball and you tell people you're in a pinball, a lot of people, their, their face lights up because at some point in their life, they have, even though they're not a pinball player, they have like a positive experience with pinball. Like it's such a, like a cool thing. And, you know, there's, I don't think I've run into somebody who doesn't like pinball or hates pinball, right? Or it's just like upset you told them that you're into pinball. So that's cool. Um, totally get the community. I think that's the way to do it. What's the, um, what do you not like about operating pinball? <laughs> um, before I, before I say that, I'll, I'll say that probably the, the second most, the thing that I like about operating is just um, 
having, you know, maintaining games well. You know, we've all like had experiences where you go and play a machine and it doesn't work well or hearing other people have a bad experience on machines that aren't um, well taken care of. So it, it's, um, you know, it, uh, you have to really be passionate about pinball and know a lot about pinball to have your games play well. And you probably can't just be in it for the money either. Because if you were, you'd be doing jukeboxes and video games and crane games, you know, like that's easy money with, you know, no trouble. And pinball is the hardest way to, to earn your quarters for sure. But it's, um, but it's really rewarding. Um, I mean, the thing that I like least is just, is when there's problems, you know, fixing problems and um, having games down. Uh, like, I mean, it'll happen, you know, that something breaks and you don't have a, it's a weird part. And so you don't have it and you have to order it and you have to wait days. And then, um, you know, my, uh, my arcade here now is only open three days a week. So that's, that's better. But the, um, the barcade was open, you know, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And so, and it's in a basement. And so like, there would be times where maybe it'd be two weeks that a game was down and I was waiting for, you know, a, a node board from Stern or whatever. And that it's like, oh man, do I take this machine out of the basement? You know, do I put an out of order sign on it? So it's, um, that, yeah, that's the worst part. And, and, <laughs> and moving machines, man, if you could just like pick up a pinball machine and put it in a backpack and go set it up somewhere, that would be a huge, uh, that would be hugely different, but, moving games is uh it's hard work <laughs> and you know and can be dangerous and um you know just try not to hurt yourself <laughs> yeah this is a i mean this is a, a crazy stupid hobby in terms that we're moving around 300 pound pinball machines like i don't even like I, I i'm so like do i even want another game right now i mean of course i the answer is always yes but it's it becomes such a like a rubik's cube of of how am I going to get it in my basement? Who am I going to get to help me? When is it going to happen? I don't want to do it in the wintertime because of snow and all that. So, so that's the other aspect of, of moving games around. And we've had to move a lot of games around too. Um, let's, let's talk about, you, you mentioned like financials uh, when you, when you were just talking a moment ago. And I think that's the important thing to talk about because that's, it, it is a business, right? Um, and financials are important on, on how you do that because this is your time that you're spending. Your, 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 your time is worth money. Um, and and you said in there like look if there's not a, a necessarily there's not a lot of money in pinball but there's there's better ways to operate amusement devices like jukeboxes uh, over pinball and you'll probably do better that way and you'll have less stress. Um, I've when people ask about operating pinball, I think they're they're curious to see if it's worth it. And my answer is similar to yours. Like the reason I got into it was because again, as I said earlier, like I it's like it's almost it's like a, a donation in some ways like it's still a business and i treat it like a business but like there's easier ways to earn money in my free time if that was my goal um i wanted to put pinball out there for the community i didn't want to do it like i'm like an indentured servant to pinball where i'm just running around and being miserable like i, I do want to make some money for my time but the money that i make or brought in and and you know pre-covid it was it was okay like we always kind of kept on investing into the business and buying more machines so i've not really seen any of the profit that's come out of it but it's it's sort of it's sort of negligible in the grand scheme of things like the the motivation for me and i, I would say this to anybody else who's thinking about getting in there do it because of as ryan said for the community do it because you love the idea that when you put a pinball machine out there 
people get to play pinball that normally wouldn't, that normally can't afford a machine or wouldn't think about putting a machine in their house. Um, you be, do it because you want to see pinball continue. That should be your, your motivation. I think some people can make some maybe decent money in, in pinball, at least in pre-COVID times. You know, after, you know, during COVID and where we are in COVID like two years later, you know, our revenues are down significantly, um, even our, like our best places. So this is an even trickier time for me to recommend somebody getting into pinball. And then, you know, we can even, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this and we can talk about it, but like, you know, the prices are going up on pinball machines, right? So, you know, what do you charge, right? Like the, the prices go up, people complain when they're at a dollar now, but now the pinball machine that you were buying two years ago is now like $1,600 more. Um, but you're still charging the same. So you're doing the same amount of work. You're making less money. At some point, you're like, something's got to give. Um, so I, I just wanted to give that feedback because it's, it is challenging. You gotta, you've, anybody who's thinking about getting in this business, you really have to understand and have like a clear vision and wide open eyes of, of why you're doing it. Because that's going to help you pull through like some of the bullshit and lack of money and, and going out and repairing stuff. So I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to that, but I just wanted to, to kind of share my experience. Uh, yeah. Like I have, um, 80 something machines now. And, you know, I, I started in 2013 and that's crazy. I, the operating didn't pay for all of that stuff. Uh, initially, like basically, you know, as an operator, my, you know, I have a separate account for that. That account is at zero basically all the time. And if it gets up enough to buy a pinball machine, then I buy one and it goes back down to zero. And then there's, um, to even get to this amount of machines, I'd like take a loan from myself and like pay it back over time. So it's, uh, you, I mean, what's happened is because I've been like expanding sort of accidentally and growing is like, I just have ended up with like a, an amazing collection that, has been paid for, you know, all the time, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pay a mortgage or, you know, <laughs> or, or even, you know, n nice dinners and groceries. Um, it just, it just buys pinball machines that people get to enjoy. And so, you know, if I stop doing it and I sell everything, then, uh, then there'll be some money there, but you know, there, there hasn't been all along. And people, I mean, I often hear people don't really talk about, uh, they don't give specifics on numbers, but you know, I've, I've had, uh, games that make a dollar a day and I've had games that, you know, a ghostbusters in my best location, right. When it came out, was making like 40 bucks a day, which is crazy, but it just, but it drops off immediately. And so, um, T.O. Pin had asked about like ROI and all that stuff. Um, thinking about it as an operator, I, I um, I think that, you know, in a lot of businesses, ROI makes a little bit more sense because you buy some equipment or you spend all this money to, to generate money. And then your the thing isn't worth anything at the end, you know, like the equipment or the materials or whatever aren't worth anything. But it's, it's strange with pinball machines because now you can even buy a machine and operate it and even sell it for more than you paid for it. Um, so I don't necessarily think about things in terms of ROI. And it's when I had um, a location with just 13 spots, I was a little more focused on having the best earning games in those spots. And now um, that I have this arcade, which has a history of having, you know, uh, classic games of all eras, um, I, I have to have some games out there that don't, that hardly make any money because they're EMs and people like to, you know, 
it's it's good for the um it's good to have just like a mix um of different machines so um i in my best location new sterns were probably paying for themselves in in two years um but again you could you could sell those games and, and get your money back but um i did i have not ever done the accounting for like what my time is worth and i have not ever like subtracted the cost of labor and parts off of you know uh, the amount that, that i've spent on machines so it's uh it's all very fuzzy and like like nick said yeah you got to just do it because uh because you love pinball and and you think it'd be fun and if you want to make money you run a successful bar and you put pinball machines in the corner and maybe maybe you love pinball and maybe the pinball machines make money but you're, you're making money you hand somebody a drink and they give you five bucks and <laughs> or they spend hours putting five dollars and quarters into you know tens of thousands of dollars worth of pinball machines so it's uh, yeah yeah i would say in like that that you know example where you talk about like making money in the bar aspect you're absolutely right i think the one benefit of pinball is that you're not taking a lot of risk in pinball number one you buy a bunch of pinball machines you put on location they don't make money well the, the what's going on right now the pinball machines are probably going to hold its value if not go up a little bit so you just turn around and sell it whereas if you go out and buy a bar and your bar's losing revenue there's there's way more things way more liabilities it's kind of like there's not a lot of risk in operating pinball that i can see other than maybe you know you get into it and you're not making much money and you're kind of spinning your wheels or moving these heavy machines around but but financially i don't think you're going to get hurt there's just not a lot of upside at the same time in 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 terms of finances now of course you know you've got 80 some machines those are assets if you cashed out you're going to be you're going to be doing pretty good um so that's that's the other thing i mean you can almost buy a machine and park it in a place and it's like free uh free storage on a pinball machine that's appreciating in value and also making you some money which then you can maybe uh write off on taxes and depreciation costs or some or something like that but those that's I, I think that's a good overview on um uh the finances of pinball which is again this is a business you're thinking about doing it you gotta you gotta understand you gotta be you gotta know what you're walking into i'm curious what you think are like general characteristics of a game that earns well or has the potential to earn well i would i would answer that question by saying theme 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 uh is super important on location theme earns the best typically um that's number one in in my book it's not even like the layout how it plays if it's a good theme it's gonna do it's gonna do all right it's gonna do good enough in my book maybe it won't Ghostbusters earned very well for us as well. I don't know what it was about Ghostbusters. There's got to be something more to a theme, but theme is super important. What what have you found in in uh, your operating? Yeah, it's um it's a little bit of a bummer as a as a somebody who's really passionate about pinball that it is theme. You know, I, I guess that's what you'd say about real estate is location, 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 and pinball. It is it's just theme. I, when Star Wars came out um, five or so years ago, I did, from Stern, I didn't really. I didn't like didn't like it that much and I didn't buy one and I let uh, a friend of mine buy one and put it in my in the barcade and he got to keep the money and it was the best earning game we ever had and you know like I was just like oh I, you know it's not good enough for me this serious tournament guy and so um you know but I but like weirdly at the same time Mandalorian did well in the beginning and now it's just 
kind of okay. So um, I, in general, um, I guess uh, I, I would say it's almost entirely theme and I, and and sort of like licensed and recognizable themes. And you know, the, I you see the conversation a lot. I know you guys have talked about it. People wanting original themes, but dialed in. I love that game. It it bombed. You know, like commercially i think i don't know that they sold as many as they thought they would they didn't make a lot of money on location and i as probably my the jersey jack game i would choose to play first um over the other ones so that's you know that's a bit of a bummer um and there's other um there are you know I've, i mentioned licenses but there's also classic games that are unlicensed so like attack from mars and medieval madness those games still do really well I, i've had weeks um recently here at the arcade where attack from mars is number one um so over you know even the newest games that have just come out yeah that's uh that's that's crazy because it's like yeah I, I dialed in doesn't do great dialed in is more impressive um than medieval madness and attack from mars i would argue in just the terms of it's a it's a more modern game it, the lights the sounds everything that's going on big screen and yet You've got Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars beating it, so, uh, but and and that those those games kind of break the they're the exception to the rule, right? In terms of theme, are you buying Pro Premium LE? Like, what are what are your thoughts on that as an operator? Yeah, I've been for years. I've been like a a pro snob where I just you know no, I only buy the pros. I just don't even bother trying to figure out you know which is the best version to buy, and I would make. Um, you know, I, I would tell myself like, okay, well, there's less stuff to go wrong on a pro. Um, you know, one one of the motivations is that you get them faster. So um, those are the first versions of the game that come out. So if you're operating, you know, um, I remember actually the first game, maybe the first game that I bought new was Game of Thrones, and I and I thought, oh, I'm going to buy a premium, and it was like five months later, and I didn't have pre it hadn't arrived yet. So I switched and got a pro, and it got there before um, my premium would have. So that's definitely been um, a motivation for me. Um, I have since started buying, uh, I have bought some premiums and I don't know, I can't really, it's impossible to say whether it's worth it or not, I guess, you know, the, because the only way you would know is you would have the pro and the premium side by side next to each other and I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine that having a premium or LE would make more money as an operator enough to justify price increase. But again, you don't really lose the money anyway if you were. It may, you know they maintain um, their value, so it's it's really confusing and probably like easier as an operator if you just sort of like had a plan and stuck to it and didn't you know torment yourself with. Is it worth the money? Are the features there? Um, people are, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that are traveling to a venue that they don't like as much as yours because that other venue has a different version. Yeah. I, I, oh, go ahead, Zach. Please. I've had an argument with my co-host over at the pinball show, Dennis Creasel, about this a little bit. He said, I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't rent games. But I would assume that getting that pro out there when the title is new, it's fresh, everybody wants to play it, even the pinheads locally will probably drive so that they can get their hands on a rush 
um, or you know whatever the title may be. Do you guys find uh, Nick and Ryan that getting that pro out there quickly uh, will make you uh, more money until because the premiums they take sometimes two months afterwards, and by that time, sure, it's kind of a different game, different features, but you're gonna have. Some people that have like, oh, I played the hell out of the pro, I'm good, or I know the feel of that game. I just feel like over time, that title is going to kind of get more stale as every day goes on. So you try to maximize hitting uh, hitting people up for that pro. Just just a thought, though. Yeah, I would. Um, I, I think that makes sense logically. You know, Ryan had the good example of like Game of Thrones and, and waiting five months. That, that seems crazy when people just like they want to play the new thing and they want to play it as soon as possible. That's just people are wired that way. To me, it's like, look, the pro is less money, less capital that you got to put into it. That's 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 huge, and then less things that are going to break on it. And if a, a premium or God forbid somebody's putting an LE out there, which I just don't, I, I don't understand. But with a premium, you just have to have that game has to be played that many more times just to break even before you even turn a profit. Um, and they seem to keep pace in terms of resale value, you know, percentage wise. So, yeah, I, I don't get it. I was at a place in uh, Austin, Texas a couple weeks ago called the Cidercade, and um, you pay 10 bucks and everything's on free play. And dude, they had a uh, Godzilla LE. And I'm like, what the fuck is this person thinking? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you just beat the shit out of that game? Why not buy a pro, keep the LE for yourself? Um, or if you really want to impress people, get a premium. Um, but yeah, that operator was just, they, they had like the, uh, higher end versions of the games. And I, I just like, this doesn't make sense. Like this is either a person who doesn't know what the hell they're doing, or they just like, just have so much money and love pinball so much. They're like, I'm just going to do a hard flex here and then have the best version, let people play that. But, um, I, I, I couldn't figure it out, man. Have me scratching my head. I can see like people putting in premiums if your area that you're locating or routing is pretty saturated. You kind of want to distinguish yourself from the others by putting in a premium to offer those local players uh, maybe a different a different flavor instead of just competing pro versus, you know, a bar down the road that has a pro too. Hey, we've got the premium, uh, so come play that. Yeah, Ram, I've, what I've do seen you some places do where yeah. they buy the pro and then they uh, upgrade to the premium and it's ready too, so that's another option. I've seen some routes take. So I just did that for the first time with Godzilla, where I bought the pro and the premium. So I would get the pro right away, and then the premium would come later. And some of that is because I just Elwin, I basically my all my favorite games of all time, or at least modern machines, are all Elwin games. I, I love his designs, and um, and and I've had some people. Uh, I've been renting to people's uh, to people in their homes a little bit, just like a few people here and there. And because I have an office location, I just thought. You know, when the premium comes, I can sell, I'll be able to sell the pro right away or uh, move it to another location. And um, it was okay. I don't know if I'll do it again. Uh, I, I mean, I did get extra, you know, for the premium came much faster than I expected. So it was like six or seven weeks later. So for six or seven weeks, like that game was, you know, making great money and people were able to play it sooner. But um, I think like going all premiums and LEs is, is for a situation where you have kind of money isn't necessarily such a uh, money isn't an, ob an object and you just want to give people the best and fullest experience. But, um, I had I another know. question I, you know, for yeah, Ryan and Nick as operators. So I have a lot of people ask like if they're looking into getting into operating pinball machines, 
let's say they had five machines they were going to put on location. Is this location specific where I, I would think that the more you can put in one establishment is going to draw the crowd of, uh, of pinball people more regularly. You're going to have more consistency than spreading each of those games to five different locations. Do you guys find that a pin will earn on average individually better if it's surrounded by three or four or 20 other games or do you do you not see uh, any correlation there yeah that's a that's a really good question and it's something i'm dealing with right now and I'm, I'm glad you you brought that up so my experience has been you want to have a a place that's a destination to go play pinball is better than a place that just has a random couple games you know are you going to get in your car to drive to a place that has two or maybe even three games at most or are you more likely to to make it in like the agenda of going to play pinball in a place that has 10 games and and from my experience, the game place has 10 games wins. Uh, like CBW is a great example. When CBW opened up their new new building, we only put a couple games there as we were kind of just building up and moving games around. And they didn't they didn't do that great. Um, and one reason was I think they were they were stuff stuck in the back room and they were kind of out of sight, out of mind. But then when we put in like 10 games in that same back room we went up like four or five X in terms of profit. And then, um, yeah, there's a lot of back and forth in the story. Then, um, they basically wanted to turn that back room into like a private room. So they kind of mistakenly said, get all the pinball machines out. Um, but we could keep like, like three kind of out in the main area, main floor. So now we went from 10 machines in a back room that were hidden to less games, but super visible. Like you, people were like bumping into the game kind of deal, but the games made less. The games, like we lost profits went down by half or, or, or more. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been my experience that having like a almost being almost an arcade, right? Whatever that definition is. Now there is, you know, the law of diminishing returns. Like if you have 10 games and you add 11 games, are you making more money or is it just, you're spreading the money out? But there is, there is a sweet spot that I found where you need to like, and I don't know what that number is. Um, I think it's, 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 probably more than it's got to be more than five i think maybe eight to ten is a sweet spot when it becomes a destination but yeah that's been my experience ryan what do you think yeah i mean that that's a good anecdote i can't top that i i would guess that my that you know uh, i've had some locations with one or two games and some with five and then press play was uh maybe it was eight and then it got up to 13 at one point so for those sort of smaller things the more machines there were, the more money each machine made per day, you know? So, the, you know, these places that just had two, you think, Oh, well, all this money's only going to two machines, but yeah, no regulars didn't go. And, um, casuals would just, you know, put in a buck once in a while. So, um, I agree with that assessment that there's probably like a, a critical mass. that's probably somewhere in the five to 10 range of games uh, that makes it, uh, a destination. And so, you know, I mean, the other thing is, you know, if you're just getting started and, and that, you know, somebody, um, the question was like, you know, somebody who's just getting started, do you want to have one location or do you want to have many? You might not have a choice. You know, you, you should probably just take whatever opportunities you can get and then, you know, figure it out on the fly. I think I see people talking about, you know, they worry about insurance and business plans and, and contracts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're like putting the cart before the horse. Um, and 
you know, I think if you're into it, just find whatever opportunity you can and then, you know, figure it out as you go. I, I think even just from like a sanity point of view, having, you know, 10 games in one place is, is much easier than having two games in each of five places. All your games are in one place, do all your maintenance in the same place. You don't have to deal with five different um, venue owners. You don't have to rotate your games nearly as often. And you have a, a place where you can create a community, which you can't do um, when you just have one, one and two offs. Yeah, and I, I would add to that, you, know, you mentioned venue owners. I think, fine, because again, because of the, the way the finances work in this, make sure that if you're going to get into this, make sure you like the person that is going to own the venue or the bar or whatever, and that you, you deem them easy to work with, right? You don't want somebody who's a pain in the ass. You don't want somebody you can't trust. Uh, that's just going to make this business a nightmare for you. And, you know, it's all over the board in terms of the personalities. And, you know, sometimes the people who own bars are not like the, not the greatest people, not the best people. So just, just, just be careful. You know, we have good relationships with places we have our games, but that's not always the case. And I think um, one thing that I, I'm sort of just jumping all around, but I think we can kind of get into this, maybe some best practices, Ryan, so we'll kind of, I'll wind this discussion down, then we'll, we'll, we'll go over to the uh, distribution side. But like some best practices is, one, we always had contracts that people sign. Um, I think I started off with like a year contract, but then I scaled it down for some places that I was unsure about because we were growing pretty quickly early on. And there were some places where I'm like, yeah, pinball's going to do great here. Like it was just obvious. And then some people would ask for a pinball machine and I wasn't sure. I'm like, uh, I don't know. So I would make it maybe like six months and I would tell the owner, I was like, look, we'll, we'll, we'll try this out. But if it's not working out, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to want to have the machine here taking up space if it's just not making you money, right? Like space in a business is very important. They're trying to maximize the amount of money that they're making per, per square foot. Um, so I always try to cue that, tee that up early on. So I had an easy out that if I go in there six months later and I'm take the machine out because it's not making any money, they're not like, what the hell? And I, and I've still had kind of that experience where the game be making like 40, 50 bucks a month. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing it for that. And they're, they're still kind of upset a little bit, but I think you want to, you want to have these, you want to set expectations early on. You want to have these conversations early on. You want to have a contractor and understanding and be good at communicating. Like if you, if you can do that and, and manage the relationship, that's going to make this easier for you. Um, what are, what are, um, and actually I should mention, I turned to Ryan before, uh, we started the business. I called him up and I was like, what do I need to know, man? What's, uh, you've been doing this for a while. Like, give me, the, give me the good, give me the bad. Give me like, how can I, how can I start this out? Right. I think one of the things you said is do, do 75, 25. We, we do that. Like, and, and I agree, man, you're absolutely just crazy if you're doing 50, 50 with a business. I mean, maybe there's, there's always an exception to a rule and it works out for people. Um, I think that was a really good um piece of advice you gave we have insurance on our games again you know i don't want my place catching a building on fire and then this is just a side business fun thing that i do and you know people coming after me for my personal money. I, I i just it's easy for me just to have insurance and, and not worry about things for that business um so that's kind of a lightning round of best practices what do you what do you have what do you want to add to that uh well i don't know if i should say but like i have never actually had contracts and um ha haven't worried about the insurance aspect of it and i i've been lucky that there you know hasn't been any damage and i haven't heard as many very many horror stories at all about damaging machines i think people who are getting into it probably think that you know like oh people are gonna pour beer on your machines and i don't know smash the glass and 
I mean, what's going to happen is they're just going to get wear and tear on the, you know, sides of the cabinet and inside the machine and you're going to have to repair things. But, um, I, you know, I guess best practices is like have stuff on hand that, uh, they have the easy things on hand that could make a game go down. So that's like, uh, stuff for flipper rebuild kits. That's rubbers, um, and things like that. You know, you, there's, you can't, don't worry about having everything, you know, a bracket is going to break that you just like, you can't have like the right size, you know, bracket for every coil. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, coil stops and links and plungers and flipper return springs and flipper rubbers. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff. I just, I clean the games pretty regularly. I'm not too crazy about it. You know, it's just sort of like, okay, once you can, I'm not, you know, scrutinizing with a fine tooth comb, but like once you start to see, you know, some, some dirt on there, um, clean that off. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, maybe one thing is just for sanity sake. Um, I've, I've seen discussions online where, you know, there are people say like, Oh, well, you don't want to operate because you know, what happens when it's midnight and you get a call about a game being broken and they're going to throw it out on the street. If you don't come fix it, like that doesn't ha happen. And if you too, you're working with the wrong, yeah, you're working with the wrong people. So, you know, I'm, I try and fix things as, as soon as possible, but I don't, it's just pinball, you know? And so if it, if it's tomorrow or it happened or you had to order a part and it's a few days later, you gotta be, um, you gotta be okay with that kind of stuff. I think so, you guys are selling yourself short at 70, 75, 25. But like if I would think that if you're creating a destination somewhere, you got 10 games, you got leagues of people that are coming in, they're buying beer. I, I don't know if I'd want to split anything. Like I, I'm bringing you the entertainment you're making a lot of money off of liquor. Um, there's not going to be any cut here. Yeah, I think the um, what I run up against when I was going into the business is that you've got the old school operators, right, that are doing 50-50. So my value proposition when I would go to talk to businesses, this, the funny thing is like, we we had like, we secured like Masuda Chow's, which is like an, an awesome place for pinball. Like they're the coolest kind of arcade, barcade in town, right? And you know they talked to other operators, and the other operators, I, I, I'm, I, I'm gonna bet money on it. We're probably doing fifty-fifty, but they didn't come off as professional. They grimy older operators and stuff, right? So we get in front of them. It's like, look, we're doing this because we love it. Um, we had a, a, a proposal, and I was like, we're doing seventy-five twenty-five, and at the time, and we're competing with fifty-fifty, but you know we'll we'll maintain the games better, things like that. So I sold them on that and, and we won on level professionalism, but, but you're right, man. I mean, like that's how it should be, you know, that it should be a hundred percent because we are helping to create a destination. We are bringing customers in. We're keeping customers longer. You're a hundred percent right. That's the way it should be. I think what holds it back is, you know, the guy who's willing to try to undercut you and, and do that. And, and, you know, the guy who's trying to charge 50 cents a game. I mean, that's a, to me, that's a race to the bottom and it hurts pinball in the long run, you know, because at some point you're like, fuck, I'm not going to do this. It's not worth it. You know, the, the cut's not worth it. The profits aren't worth it. Like I'm, I'm just kind of getting worn out and exhausted because this is like, at least in my case, it's like a side piece of my life. So yeah, man, I totally hear you. I totally hear anybody. I saw 80, 20 in the chat. That's good too. Um, you know, maybe you can always renegotiate later, but you gotta, you gotta worry about somebody trying to do it cheaper. Totally. I, th the same I think stuff in distribution too with uh ever, you know everybody trying to give the cheapest price and uh, those days are gone fortunately right now but 
Yeah, it was like that as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you are coming into a place that uh, doesn't didn't have a previous operator, and you have a good relationship with the person, or even if not, I think it's good to start with the sales pitch of this isn't going to be making money for you guys, this is going to be we're going to be creating a pinball community here in this space, and people are going to come in and they're going to uh, buy drinks every week. And they're going to, um, you know, spend money in other parts of, of your establishment. And um, so yeah, I, I start higher than you think. Um, I think the 5050 split back in the day made sense when um, well, one, I mean, probably when arcades were jam packed with people and there was lines to play games, you know, that's a different thing. And when you're talking about arcade games and pinball machines, uh, arcade games and pool tables and things that don't need maintenance, you know, that's uh, maybe that makes more sense, but like start, you know, the negotiation at something that is high and maybe not comfortable with and focus on um, the focus on the fact that this isn't going to be a big uh, income generator. This is going to be a, a community building thing and bringing in people to the establishment. Yeah. All right. It's Kevin, Zach, any, uh, any, any questions? Uh, for yeah. us before we move on to the distribution yeah i've got one um, from twitter uh it comes from brianna Wu. she says i would love to hear about the cost of keeping tables running i played a godzilla on location yesterday and was shocked how trashed it was i could see at least 800 dollars of parts needing replacement just visually this is this is, she owns she owns a godzilla too so she knows how the game's supposed to play so uh nick and and uh and ryan what do you guys think about the average cost of maintaining a game on location Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, well, the biggest thing is is labor. Um, so, if you, I mean, uh, we haven't said this, but you know, if you're going to operate games, you you should be fixing your own games. You you don't you're not going to have the money to pay somebody else to come do service calls um, for you. Uh, maybe you know, I use somebody now for the the most difficult things. Um, you know that I that I can't figure out, but try and do uh, you know everything else myself. So I don't, like I said earlier, I, do, I haven't done a good job sort of keeping track of hours and keeping track of parts. I would say that that the time, uh, there's way more of a time investment than there is in the cost of actual parts. Um, I, I have, you know, not been somebody who goes around like, I don't really mod my games. I don't like, you know, if a ramp is kind of chipped, like as long as it still works, like I don't replace the ramp, I don't replace chipped plastics. You know, my games aren't like beat up, but they don't have to be, they don't have to be perfect. Um, so um, I don't know. That's my answer. You know, the the Adams family that I bought, that was the, the first game that I bought to operate. I got it on eBay. It came from a place where it was like heavily routed. I would guess that machine has made hundred thousand dollars in quarters in its life and like you just you know you just keep placing replacing the pieces inside um that don't work i haven't had to like i haven't you know redone all the plastics or the ramps or you know the, the play field's kind of worn but yeah you can um the the things that make a game play play great are are the cheapest things you know just and the easiest things rubbers and flipper parts and a clean play field, you know, strong flippers. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So I, I would add to that. This goes back to buy a pro less things to go wrong. Less, less, less things to fix on less things to break. I mean, 
Stern Pros are the best thing for operators, hands down. Um, it's remarkable how much we're not doing on repairs or expensive repairs, I should say. Typically, when I go and collect, clean and collect, um, I'm not even cleaning every week necessarily, I mean, every month necessarily, depending on how much how much dirt is there, right? Like, I'm not laying down wax uh, because these are games I'm just trying to, that are just there to generate money, and yet the play field still looks good even when I wipe it down. So they're, they're commercial-grade machines. They can take a beating. Um, as Ryan said, it's like if a plastic's cracked, I don't care about that. I'm not ordering another set of plastics because that, no, first of all, 99% of people aren't going to notice or care. Even people who notice are not are going to play if they want to play the game. They're not going to care if it doesn't impact gameplay. Um, you know, what? so what am I working on or fixing or adjusting? Usually it's like a flipper, uh, uh, sorry, a rubber broke, usually around the slings. And half the time, I, if I even kind of see it start breaking, I'll look at the um, slingshots and I'll just rotate it a little bit so I can get some more life out of the, because they start wearing at the post, I'll get some more life out of that rubber and, and that works great. Um, you know, I, I check for coin jams. That tends to happen once a month. Some idiot tries to set the world record of jamming about 50 coins into a slot. So I'll have to fix that. But that's kind of it. Like we were we were talking about in our business, like um, you know, we've got an Aerosmith Pro and that game came out, what, like 2017 maybe? And that's, I mean, that's got a cool toy where it throws the ball in the air. That thing's been a workhorse, man. I don't think we've ever like done, I've, I've just jinxed myself, but like, I don't think we've ever done any work on that game. And it just, it just works, just keeps on going. That's that's the beauty of most of the Stern Pros. Like the problems you're going to have on those games typically show themselves in like the first month if there's like a bad design from the factory. But after that, it's, it's smooth sailing. Um, so my piece of advice is don't go crazy treating the game like it's a game in your home and you want to take it to a pinball show and win a, a ribbon. You know, we had like, at one point in the business, we had someone in the, in um, uh, a business partner who's, who's no longer in it. And like, he has got a meticulous talent for making his games at home, like look beautiful. And like, he'll change the coil wrappers on games, but he was employing that mentality to our routed games. And it was just overkill. Like it was just not a good return on his, his time. It's not making us any more money. I think our games, if you go and look at it and play it, they're going to look good, especially for what other operators are doing out there. They're not going to look maybe as good and perfect as my games at home. My games at home are are, are perfect, is, you know, or I'll make them perfect. But, yeah, just um, it's it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. Get a Stern Pro, less to break, easy to, easier to operate. You're just doing kind of very, very basic maintenance and attention. What about the, um, like, do you guys go coin machine and and keep the coin slots do you guys go bill dollar bill acceptor which are pretty damn expensive the new ones or do you go like card reader what about the operators out there wanting to know is there a big difference between those forms of uh, forms of accepting payment good question ryan go ahead man you can tackle it first yeah i don't have a ton to say about that um you know the you know i have had some smaller locations um but mostly it's been medium size and and up so then there's just a coin machine there i tried uh, using pay range for a while um i don't know if anybody listened to the coin box pinball podcast back in the day those guys were huge on um pay range and it seemed to work really well for them for me i didn't really invest in it i put it in all my machines this is a bluetooth device that hooks into the switches in the coin return and you can use an app you can load money onto an app and then use the app to um, credit up a machine. And it's, it's really cool how it works. And um, I put it in and people used it a little bit in the beginning. And then everybody kind of just decided 
like the casuals didn't even know it was there, even though there were stickers on all of the machines and the regulars were like, well, I'm going to be here for hours. I'd rather it's like faster and easier to have a pocket full of quarters. I even had somebody tell me that they didn't like pay range because it, it showed them how much money they were spending on pinball and they didn't, <laughs> it was more than they, <laughs> they realized. Um, so, but that's not to say it, it, you know, that kind of thing wouldn't work in certain locations. Um, having, some, having some non-cash thing like that might be a good solution if you need to like have the machines on free play, for example. So you can, people can use an app or you can give them a code or, or like card readers or whatever. The, the arcade in Colorado that uses card readers, they do it for the parties so they can have parties where they give out cards and it can still be other people putting quarters in while people are using the free cards that the host of the party paid for. So, um, so that's pretty cool. But I've never really experimented too much with bill acceptors and, um, you know, maybe now that a dollar is, is just becoming more the standard. When I first started, people would complain a lot about paying a dollar for a machine. And so maybe now that that seems to be kind of a standard, uh, dollar bill validator would, would make more sense, but yeah. Yeah, for me to answer that, it really depends on the venue and the uh, audience that's playing the machine. So when we had a, a location called Game on Land, may it rest in peace, my favorite place to play pinball, um, there was no quarter machine. Our games had dollar bill validators, but we had pay range on there. And, and the people who were going to um, Game on Land, this is a land gaming center. They're all gamers. Um, the owners were totally behind pinball and they would kind of coach the uh you know their customers to use pay range when they can we had pay range signs and then we did like tournaments and leagues and events there so our pinball players people who know pinball people in our league in buffalo pinball community they they love pay range pay range is awesome i love pay range as an as both a user and an operator um because first of all as an operator you have to load the minimum you can load on there's five bucks so they're going to be spending five bucks on uh on your games right like they're not just gonna do a dollar that money's going to come to you at some point um but even more so it's it's less coins to count less dollar bills to deal with and take to the bank it's just easier it's like let's get into the century uh, now on the flip side of things you go to a place like masuda chow's which is 99.9 percent casuals who like we have pay range on there. We have signs, like Ryan said, we have dollar bill validators. People will take a dollar bill. They'll walk over to the change machine, get quarters and then walk back to the pinball machine and put fucking quarters in there. Right? Like, and I hate quarters because they're a pain in the ass. You gotta, you gotta roll them. Um, they, they jam the machines. I'm always fixing quarter jams. So it really depends on your location. If you're going to have a location where, you know it's going to be leagues, tournaments, and there's there's pinball people, then I would take a serious look at pay range. I know they changed their price structure, and I'm kind of grandfathered into the older model. I don't know if the newer model makes sense, but just in terms of ease of operating a business and what my customers like, I would do that. But at a place where it's going to be casuals, um, it's probably not worth the money, and you just want to go with a quarters of dollar bill mech. I think uh, Community Barracks is sort of split. There's no change machine there, thank God. So I think that they have to go to the bar to get quarters. And maybe if the bar's smart, they'll tell them that it uses dollar bills. So I'm dealing more with dollar bills or pay range. So it's, 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 again, it really, it's really dependent on location and your audience. Yeah, something I, I meant to mention is the place where pay range failed for me was in a basement. 
and seemed like people didn't really have that great reception. So just like you would open up the app, it would take too long to like, it, you know, it has to go to outer space to figure out if you have the money in your account to credit up the machine. And so uh, some place that was above ground or had better uh, service might have might have gone a lot better. And like, it sounds like Nick, you, you invested in that, you know, like in, invested in educating people and and I know like running promotions with it, you know, can, can make a big deal. Um, but it, you know, some of that, like you said, depends on the headache of, uh, what, how your collection goes normally. I think mine there was easy. Like I would just take the quarters out and pour them into the count them and pour them into the change machine. And then like a check got written. And so I I've been uh, fortunate in my, in my locations to not, to have sort of like a, a sort of, contained sort of ecosystem with quarters and dollar bills and not have it not have to be running to the bank and um and i've never had to roll quarters even so um that yeah that, yeah that's probably a factor for sure i mean pay range you can do cool things on there like you can set it up so every tuesday from four o'clock to seven games are 50 cents instead of a dollar uh, you know you can use utilize social media to say hey you know over the holiday weekend games are 50 cents or things like that they have um kind of like a coupon punch card like that you keep on swiping you play seven games your your next game's free i think that's really good too because i use that as a defense now we took off like the you know three games for two bucks every game's a straight dollar there's no match rewards i'll be like look if you want that deal or you want to like a deal playing pinball you use pay range then it makes your life easier and you get free games that you play more but yeah, you got to be a you got to really be on top of it with pay range. It's it's definitely not for everybody. It just really depends on are you going to utilize all the features? Do you have the right audience for that? So, all right, uh, maybe one more uh, Zach, Kevin, maybe one more question. Then we've got to get to uh, uh, the distribution, which I I've, I've got a lot of questions for you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I got I got one more. It's not <laughs> it's not financially related, but um, you know Nick mentioned Masuda Chow's, and I'm curious what uh, Ryan's uh, input is here too as far as making it easier for casual people on location to figure out how to play. You know, we see people pushing the coin returns to try to, to start the game. They don't know where the flipper buttons are. You know, what can we do? What should be done to, to make it easier for non-pinball people to, to figure out how to play? There's no hope for these fucking people. You need, <laughs> you need like, you need like a concierge service. You need somebody standing there like, telling somebody like when you see them fucking up like what to do you know and, and when i'm there i do that i help them and they're like oh great thanks you know like yeah you're welcome I'm helping you make me money so uh but yeah I, I i don't think there's anything else to do i mean it's not it's cool that you know stern's got videos about like starting a game and punching it like maybe that's helping some people um i don't know look at us we all there was no videos there was no online and somehow we figured out how to start pinball machines and get into it i and i I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not that fucking complicated. Like I think a, a, a phone, a smartphone is way more complicated than figuring out how to coin up a pinball machine. Uh, yeah, I don't have a great answer for that other than just, you know, when you see as an operator, when you see somebody struggling, like go over and, and show them some stuff. Um, I think, you know, that probably everyone who would be listening to this podcast, to this podcast is that what we call it <laughs> uh the show um we you know you guys can do that too um i see you know even before i was an operator you know it's like you'd see people uh 
taking turns playing one player games and then trying to remember their scores and compare them and, you know, be like, Hey, you know, you guys can play a two player game. You put in enough money you press the start button twice and now you take turns. And I, I think, um, yeah, just sort of like being a cool ambassador to, uh, people who look like they're new. If, if there's, if anyone gives you like an opening to, um, to show them how to do something, they seem receptive to that, to, uh, to have some, to play, even play a game with someone to give them a free credit, like notice that they had a, a really short game and be like, Hey, let me, let me give you another credit. Or why don't you try this game? It's a little bit easier. And I mean, still like the, the number of times in my life where somebody has said, there are rules to pinball. What do you mean? Is, is astronomical. Like, so, uh, it pinball, you know, I didn't like pinball when I was new. It just seemed like the ball was always going right down the middle. You see, I see people all the time, like, what, you know, what the hell, like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And so any opening you can give to yourself just to like show people that, you know, there's more skill than they realize there's more features than they realize, or just, you know, just, Hey, if you shoot that thing over and over again, you'll start a multi-ball, you know? Um, yeah, dude, I, I get it. immense satisfaction out of helping people who are new and, and, and certainly, especially if they want to learn, right? Like, so that's Nick, cool. This wouldn't have been a problem if we just had the damn pin bar. The pin bar. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about a cell phone. There you go. Even the kids know what to do with the pin bar. Damn. Everybody trying to crucify Robert. He's a visionary. See, Nick thought we were going to get away with not doing, talking about uh, Deep Root today, but, you know, they worked their way in. <laughs> Dude, I like how Zach <laughs> addresses me on that because he's trying to fucking wind me up. Who knows? Who knows what's up? <laughs> he's just turning it a little bit. All right. All right. Listen, that was, uh, I, I think chat really liked that discussion. They said, uh, you know, Obi, Drunk Kenobi said this is very fascinating. Honestly, thank you for doing that. So thanks. Thanks for... Uh, this is the preeminent, like, if you want to know about operating, this is where we'll, we'll point people to and, and listen to that discussion. So this is, this is, I'm really interested to hear Zach's side of things. Um, you know, Zach is both, both Ryan are, are, are both great guys. I, I've gotten to meet them personally. They, they've been sponsors for a number of years. They're both pinball guys. Um, I, I, I like their positivity. Um, and I think they're, they're, they're both good for pinball, which is why I'm proud to say that they're, they're sponsors and we have a relationship with them. So Zach, give us a little overview about what's your pinball story. How'd you get into pinball and, and how did you, you, well, your background, you were, I think a psychologist, right? Yeah. How the hell did go. you turn into from a psychologist to, uh, distributing pinballs? I won't go too far into it because it's pretty damn boring. Um, and people hate listening to that shit. So uh, I, I was a psychologist. I paid a lot of money to become a psychologist because, to, hey, that's uh, that's the educational system. And thought that was a really good idea. Loved that job. Loved helping people and saving lives. That was all great. And then I became hooked on pinball uh, really bad. And just like anything else I do, and many of you viewers and hosts can attest, anytime you get into something, you dive way too far into it. And I did. And my wife was pretty fed up with it because she was like, you're doing stupid YouTube shows and podcast. Like, this is this is dumb. You're not making any money. Where are you at? And uh, so I was like, well, I had a buddy. Uh, his name was uh, Larry. And he was getting ready to retire. He was a previous owner of Flipping Out Pinball. And uh, he was getting old. He was getting up there. And he was no spring chicken. So I was like, hey, Larry, if you guys, if you guys ever decide to sell your business, I'd love to 
uh, inquire about it. Nicole and I, maybe as a, like a part-time, you know, weekend thing or evening thing, whenever I'm done seeing patients, I can, I can pick this up and then my wife will be a little bit better if I've got money coming in. So um, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm almost 70. I'm ready to hang it up. And I bought the business thinking it was just going to be a part-time gig. And it turned overnight uh, into a full-time job. So much so that I was trying to do full-time psychology, private practice, and um, distribution. And uh, I hung up psychology in this early this summer. So I've been full-time distributing and selling uh, pinball and arcade, as well as doing media content creation uh, for flipping out in other avenues as well. And uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Whenever pinball is selling as well as it is, and it's as exciting and, and passionate, uh, I am about it, then um, I can, I'll maintain my license in psychology and take a s step back from that. Dude, that's a, that's a, I think this is just really a backdoor into um, getting more psychology patients because the amount of uh, uh, nut jobs in pinball. So, good <laughs> it's a real you, crossover. You're playing the long game. That's right. <laughs> Always a long game. All right, man. Um, Let's 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 talk about distributing pinballs. What's 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 distributing pinball one oh one? What do you what's your day to day? What are you doing? Um just stream of conscious. Yeah, uh it's it's tough. I I didn't think it would be that much work. I mean you're selling a pinball machine, you're shipping it. It it doesn't seem too complicated. Right now, it's just super busy. I spend way too much time working. Um in pinball, which is fine, but I don't get to play games as much anymore. Pinball distribution is sales, it's marketing, if you're doing it right. Um, and a big part of it is customer service and tech work. I didn't assume, uh, I didn't think it would be that much tech work, but it's legit, man. It is, it is always something going on with the game. And you guys know it, whenever you spend 6000 to $15,000 on a toy and you open it up out of the box and it doesn't work, you're pissed and you want that game working immediately. Problem then is who's gonna fix it? Well, um, if you have a good distributor, that distributor will help you fix it or source out someone to go fix it. Every distributor is different though. Some distributors are, they just push you on to the manufacturer to fix your, figure it out. Some will try to work with you to fix it. Um, but Tech issues, there's there's always something tech-wise. Shipping's not as bad. Sales isn't as bad because you guys are like me. I just want these damn things, so I want to buy them. Um, but tech works a lot. So my 9 to 5, my 9 to 10 p.m. usually is answering emails, trying to update things, trying to get games in and out uh, from the manufacturer to our shop to the customer and vice versa, um, and then spending time trying to call people on the phone to do tech work or to um, get parts for them. Yeah, did you get a lot of love in uh, in chat? So I've, I've been buying pinball machines. Oh, I, I think I, I put in the order in you know December 2010 and got my Ironman in, in January 2011. So I've used a lot of the other distributors out there and had various degrees of, of happiness with them. But a lot of times, mm -hmm. if I had an issue, I would just have to go straight to, to Stern. Um, and then I, I bought my first game from you, which was, was Led Zeppelin. And I, I, and I say this on the podcast all the time. I like working with you because you're, you're one of us, man. You, you know, you, 
when I have a frustration, you, you get it. I'm not like an annoying customer. You're like, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I know you're going to help me solve that problem. And that is like service, service, services is, is, is everything. And I think you do a really good, good job. And, and again, that's why I'm, I'm proud to have you as a sponsor. I'm curious, like, um, that, that's what it seems to me. It seems like this is difficult. This seems like more difficult, maybe more financially rewarding, certainly than operating, but it also seems really difficult because look, I've, I've bought God knows how many games, um, both through the business and for my, my personal collection. And, you know, I've had a problem with every game I've ever bought in a personal collection out of the box. And I don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm unique on that. So I'm, I'm wondering like pinball machines are complicated. Um, so many things that can go wrong. Even when a game is working in the factory, you've got to ship it hundreds of miles. It's getting jostled. So something can happen there. How, how many, like, do you have a sense of like the percentage of the games that you sell? How many are you then like doing, answering some sort of email to whether it's a big or small problem? Like what percentage are you, are you just then helping customers with? That's really tough because very much like psychology, if, uh, if, clients or if patients were happy and they were getting better, they're no longer depressed or anxious, they just stop seeing you. Uh, very much like your pinball distribution. If, if somebody's happy with their machine, they unbox it and there's no issues, you don't hear from them as much. You only hear the issues that come up, which I'm blessed to have the job that I do. So uh, it's great. But I would guess that this is merely a guess. Out of the box, I would say 10%. need something, whether that something is a node board, a part, uh, or whether that something is just a a tweak or an adjustment that needs to be made to a switch leaf or to a a ball guide. Um, But I'd say 10%, there's something going on significant enough that I don't roll my eyes. Yeah, I mean, there's probably, um, you know, percentage of people you're selling to that have no idea that there's something wrong, so they're not getting reported. Then there's the other percent where like they either love fixing it or can fix it so you don't hear about it. And then there's the percent that it goes beyond that or they don't, they don't know how to fix it, then they need help. So Yeah, and it, it's, it's always different. different. Everybody's different. Some people, um, and again, it's an expensive machine, so I get it. I, I can relate to them. But some people, you know, even if it's small, even if they have the ability to tweak or adjust something, it's like a principle. They're like, damn it, no. You know, I, I've got a broken rubber uh, on it. I need that ASAP. You need to get it from Stern ASAP, and I'm not touching this machine until you get a tech out here that does it. That's tough, uh, but we we make it happen. Now, on subsequent deals, if somebody, I'm, I'm going to be super transparent this whole episode for you guys, so any questions, I'm happy to answer. But, yeah, some customers are tough. Some customers will just bust their ass and you should have to get a tech out there, but they're like, no, I'm savvy enough. I can, I can change a node board out or I can, I can adjust this switch. So everybody's different, but um, we try to do our best to to fulfill everybody's needs, whether it's, you know, the adjustment of a switch or whether it's my machines on fire. And and you got, and you bought and got into distributing it in what year? Oh, we're at three years now. Three years now. Okay. So, Talk to me about what is what is the pinball business? What was it like as a distributor pre-COVID versus during COVID where it, it, it's just, you know, there was the article, right, right like early COVID that things are up like 5X in terms of pinball sales from, from distributors 
you know, prices are going through the roof. Uh, people cannot get games. Talk to me about that, what, what you've seen and what you've experienced. Yeah, uh, very difficult to uh, have an accurate assessment on our end because when we did start three years ago, uh, Pinball had seen already a little bit of a hype. And from that three years ago, as we've all seen, it's kind of continued to go uh, exponentially to grow. But so did our business as well, I think. Um, but we've looked at data from the previous owner to us ownership-wise three years from now, probably 10 to 20-fold the, the business that we were able to turn this into you know, compared to the previous. So it's tough because as we grow, Pinball's also growing, and I'm always trying to discuss that with whether it's JJP or Stern, you know, they might be arguing, well, you know, everybody's grown, Zach, all dealers are able, it doesn't take much to sell a pinball machine right now. I'm like, well, that's fine, but what's that percentage of growth? Because my growth, it feels like sometimes it was flipping out and as much work as we're putting in is exponential. Uh, it's night and day, uh, Nick, what, what it was three years ago to what it is now. Three years isn't very long. A lot of dealers out there have been in this business for decades. Uh, but for us, we've seen we've seen night and day differences. For example, when we first got into it, um, our allotment for LEs, generally, uh, viewer, if you're not accustomed, uh, different manufacturers are going to give different allotments to to dealers based on typically um, what they're buying throughout that year or throughout the previous year. So ideally, the more products you buy, the the LE allotment may increase as well. Um, I think I can talk about that, but. When we started out, we would have LEs that might sit a little bit. Um, I'm thinking of things like uh, Munsters, a Stranger. The Stranger thing sat for a little bit. Uh, and then you fast forward now where, and also prior to, you would have inventory lists from a Stern or from JJP. They would send you monthly or even weekly updated inventory lists. Hey, guys, we've got, you know, 75 Deadpool pros in stock. Let us know if you want any. We're going to run some here in three more months, but we've got 75, 75 right now. And those 75 guys would just, they would stay there that you'd see them dwindle week by week. And we're okay, uh, I better get some. And then when it's final 20, you see some dealers like, boom, 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 we got to get them. Now, the, the, that's gone. Like, the, we have to order now, which is probably the most difficult part of distribution. I have to order like nine months in advance of what I think I may need. Now, when a game comes out, it's fresh. You got rushed. Boom. Here's the pictures. Here's Gary Stern talking to us dealers about how this thing works. We're getting ready to, oh, actually, as we're showing you dealers this, it's, it's online live right now. Get your marketing. Boom, boom, boom. You have to guess within a couple of days when you put that initial order in, not only how many am I going to need for my customers interested, which I don't have established yet, which goes to the pre-ordering and list thing. How many am I going to need in six months? I don't know when they're going to run this again. How hot do I think this is going to be just based on what I'm seeing pictures wise and how much I know about pinball. So it helps now being obsessed with pinball as much as I am because some of those dealers who don't really care much about pinball there, I got a leg up on them. So night and day, night and day. What's it, what's uh, it like? What's it like? Go ahead, Kev. No, go ahead. What's it like working with uh, pinball manufacturers? What's it like on that end? Uh, for the most part, it's good. Um, e like working with me, uh, I would think it's great working with me, but I can be a pain in the ass. And so too, 
uh, every manufacturer has their little spot that makes me frustrated. Um, some in their control, some out of their control. I would say that communication in this industry, sometimes, in my opinion, uh, this is not a professional thing, but it's, it's piss poor uh, with some manufacturers. Some of them are better than worse. Um, but communication is a huge thing with me personally and with me business-wise. I don't like people to lie. I would rather them be straight up and say, I don't know when you're going to get a part rather than bullshit me or rather than just not communicating or answering at all because that's what I try to put in. Uh, Nicole and I try to put in with our customers and with our friends. So just I like to be shot straight. I don't, I don't like this, you know, uh, this lying stuff. So sometimes – you know, you'll get things from a manufacturer. Yeah, we we got it. We got it coming in two weeks. Two weeks, it's coming, and then you push that communication out to your customers who you care about and who you've built relationships with. And then two weeks comes and goes, and then four weeks comes and goes, two months comes and goes. At this point, I look incompetent as uh, as the conduit of communication between uh, buyer and seller of manufacturer and customer. But uh, I would say most of them do very well, but there are some that even for dealers, it's, it's crickets. Yeah. Cap, do you have any questions? Yeah. So, um, first off, Borgadog wants to know when you can sell him a Ballarama pinball machine. <laughs> Once we know <laughs> you can actually make something that people will like. <laughs> um, there, there are some interesting questions from chat. Uh, that's that's very uh, charitable I'll, and, and tactful, <laughs> tactful way to answer that. Yeah, Zach, you might I be have... a distributor down the line. You never know. Could be. Um, do you have lists of people you will never sell a pinball machine to again? And how uh, close am I on that list at this point? <laughs> you're not even, you're like at the top of the list. I'll do whatever I can for Nick Lane. Um, Nicole's, is Nicole watching? I would say, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and that's a personal thing. That's a me thing. Um, but yeah, sure. There's a couple people that I've told, you know what? I think it would be best for you to purchase from somebody else in the future. I have some references. If you would like uh, a couple names that I think are good, uh, and can tolerate your bullshit, but yeah. Yeah. I would chime in on that real quick for, with Comet Pinball that just like from the beginning, I've been very, uh, strong in my opinion that you know there's that you know we're not just gonna like do everything to get every dollar we can you know when they're almost everybody is like great to work with but once in a while there's somebody who's just it's like you know just always causing problems things are never fast enough or you know like they're trying to like put their anxieties on us and we we try not to get brought into that i don't, I don't think we've really had to say like hey, don't buy from us, but like the, the level of, of support you get from us might change if you become a pain in the butt. And, and I, I know there's people out there who it's like, you know, cut, they do whatever they can customer service wise to please everyone and make everyone happy. But, you know, like this is just pinball and, you know, none of us are, uh, you know, billionaires here. And like, we just like, for, for a lot of people, you know, we're in this because we love pinball. So we want it to be, you know, part of our lifestyle. And so, um, it's, it's a, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing about, yeah, are there people that maybe you don't, don't work with them so much anymore, but you know, pinball is a really small place. And so just like, you know, be a nice, decent person. And of course, like 
problems will happen, but but this is, you know, we're not saving lives here, you know, and like this is just like something that should be fun for everybody. Yeah. That's way too rational and reasonable, Ryan. <laughs> um, um I've I have a question actually. Uh, yeah. give me give me the sales pitch, uh, Zach, on um insider connected. So I I've got now the last two machines, uh, right, that have come out, Godzilla and Rush have it in there by default. Should I how do I decide if I should, you know, buy it for the previous eight games? Uh yeah, good question. Um, I can try to sell you on this because I do like the insider connected kits. Um, if I didn't, I'd say save your money and don't worry about pissing it down the drain for something stupid. Uh I, I like them because they give you another way to play. They give you, uh, and something that you, I mean, you got it in your pocket. You're on the internet all the time. Just pull out the phone, scan your QR code, and now you can, the measurables are really important for us pinball people. We want to know not only, you know, um, how are we doing at home when somebody comes to plays our games, but we want to know, I want to know how Kevin's doing as well. Uh, so it's, and it's super simple. It's 199 bucks. The install is really cheap. I don't know a mod out there right now that you can get for 199 bucks. Things are crazy. Look at the topper prices and shooter knob prices and stuff. Uh, and as an operator, especially the Insider Connected kit for uh, the Pro kit, it's called. I don't. It's a mess, messy thing. But Insider Connected Pro. It's for an operator where you guys can see uh, some of the things, whether it's pending features in the future. You're going to be able to log in see what type of earnings you're getting for specific machines. You're going to be able to uh, see if there's any tech work or issues that continue to come up. You can see your audits and whatnot in there. Um, you can also give like um, little giveaways or setting up specials for the location that you're at, you know, win a free, win a free t-shirt, win a free drink, win a free cheeseburger. If you, uh, if you compete uh, and get these types of achievements. So it's just another thing to, check off the box too for achievements everybody chases achievements in video games so why not you can get to a wizard mode right or there's some wizard modes you can't get into but the in-betweens the i don't want this game to get stale whether it's on location or whether it's at home this is a pretty cheap way to do so and do so with your friends and have fun some of the features not announced yet on the insider uh, insider connected are going to be phenomenal i I know that once once all these features come out, there's no way in hell that anybody that sees themselves as part of this community, you, you're not going to be able to go without it. You're not going to want to go without it. Phenomenal from an operator's perspective, or like like as a home collector, will I be Both. more motivated to get it now? Both when, very much so. Okay, because I'm like, you know, like I like on a home collector, I can see like installing it on my machine and having fun for a little while, but then I'll rack up a bunch of achievements and. And then, you know, it's $200. You're right. I mean, mod mod wise, it's not bad, but like I can just see myself like a couple months later just forgetting it's there. But but in your opinion, they're coming down with some things that have been yet to be announced, but you think that that might change my thinking on it? I know it will. I know it Dude, will. Dude, that's awesome. That, uh, and, that's awesome. Yeah. And the, the other thing is um, for those of you who have, I think September, anything from September on that left the Stern factory is going to have those built in already. So you don't have to worry about um, installing them. But the, I think the true testimony for me personally is the, the games that they are on in my collection. There's not been a damn time that I walked up and when I press the start button, 
I don't at least get out my QR code and just scan it and just scan it. That's kind of a testament to me that it's worth it for me anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I do like it. I mean, if it was like 50 bucks, which I like, I know they, they can't do that, but I mean, the cost to make, if it's like 50 bucks, I probably would buy it like now. Um, but maybe the functionality that's coming in the future will, will motivate me to spend, you know, a few hundred dollars. And, and again, that's for retrofitting a, a number of games that I own. I know um, that um, when it comes to, uh, we all are friends with everybody over at JJP. They have a terrific system as well. Um, I, they're very similar in respects to, to what they're doing. And it's kind of the next step in pinball. We know this, it, getting them hooked up, getting them connected online, sharing. Uh, and at some point, we're going to be competing with one another online. Uh, this is that first step to get there. Um, I know that for a fact. Now, I also know that Stern Pinball, I, I don't know all the workings of JJP stuff, but I can tell you Stern is so all in on this Insider Connected kit, they're gonna make they're gonna make sure that this thing works in the long run. This is what Pinball is going to be, and we're kind of at the tip of the iceberg as to what it can offer right now. But Stern Pinball is all in as as much as you can go. Do you have a I don't know if you can disclose this or even know, but do you have a, a general time frame on, in terms of where we're going to see like announcements about these additional features? That I don't know. They haven't they haven't relayed that to us. Um, but I know that they had a big push between release in October-ish and, uh, and the end of the year to have as many titles. And looks like they're on a good timeline for that. I think all but three titles uh, of the Stern catalog, LCD Spike 2 system, are eligible for Insider Connected. So, um, so they've been going through timelines very well. I, I see by the end of the year, a lot of the big game-changing advancements may be rolling out. Nice. I'd, um, I'd be curious uh, to ask uh, Ryan from the operator perspective, do you see it being beneficial to the games that are in there? Are people using it? Are you seeing uh, increased plays because of Insider Connected? Uh, or is it just like another thing that's there and people try it once or twice and then they bail? Yeah, I have no idea, actually. And I, I haven't even... Um... I, I like applied for a pro account and then I haven't really followed up with that. So like, I guess um, the, the, I'm going to put a little bit of the responsibility on Stern to sort of like sell me on those and, and why they're, they're good for me. And so that might, I'm not, I don't know what that looks like, but I think that means like showing me some data, like, Hey, the, you know, this is how often it gets used. I think anecdotally, you know, if I noticed people using it a lot, uh, I'd probably, I'd probably try and have a conversation, you know, with those people and say, Hey, you, do you like this? Like if I add it to my other, you know, should I add it to other games? And, uh, and I think I've talked to uh, some operators that, you know, they've been getting pro games with them already built in or even premium games they put on location and that system for the operator, it's, it is coming. It's going to be more pronounced than it is now. So I don't blame you for a second of not being all in right now as an operator, uh, but as they're going to be in the majority of your games on location anyway, you know, new from the factory, I think you're going to find yourself really seeing a benefit uh, in the future when the cost is pretty little as an operator to have to run these things. It's, it's free information. It's a free way to get, get more people playing. And it's in its early stages still. We're not even at what, even half a year that this new 
it's an operating system uh, in a sense, a whole new operating system out there to all of these games. And as more certain games get in on location in people's houses, it's just going to become very second nature for us all uh, to get used to these things. So it'll take time, but uh, I assure you it will get there if they continue uh, what they're wanting to. Zach, I will no say from a, from a home user perspective, I love like all my JJPs I got on, um, on Scorbit. And it's great never getting out a USB stick to have to update code. If oh, I never wow. do that again, uh, I'm 100% happy with that. Especially as a Mac user. All my friends and my, my pinball friends make fun of me because they're like, you can edit videos, you can do all this production, but you can't figure out how to use a fucking like USB. Like, what is your problem? But I'm telling you, like, you got to go to the etcher and then you get, I hate, hate, hate that crap. So that has, that's my games get updated with uh, Insider Connected and with uh, the Wi-Fi stuff with JJP because, yeah, it's, it's one click away. Zach, like one question I want to ask is, is obviously there's there's people listening to this that they've they've never bought a new inbox pinball machine, but they, they will at some point, maybe in the next month, maybe the next couple of years. Do you have some general advice that you want to give them as as a, a you know somebody who's thinking about buying a new inbox pinball machine? Sure. Uh, it seems complicated because we see all of the stuff associated with a pinball machine, but it's really really not hard at all to receive to sign for, to accept and set up a pinball machine. For first time people that are worried about getting into it, here's the thing, pick a good dealer. A good dealer will go past warranties that companies have. We complain a lot because Stern or JJP, whoever, they have these certain warranties that are only gonna cover for 90 days, That's and it's kind of bullshit, right? So find a good dealer that is going to support you throughout, that's number one. That way, if anything comes up, you have a contact person. You can say, hey, this doesn't feel right, or hey, what, I, what should I do here? That's number one. Um, there are some companies who sell direct. You could go through them as well. Uh, I'd ask around to see what type of service you're going to get from ordering direct. I'm talking to you, JJP and Spooky. Um, but go through a dealer you can trust. That way, you know, you're supported always. Uh, number two thing would be acquaint yourself with how to unbox a pinball machine. We're not going to do that here, but the easiest, there's so many YouTube videos out there. I've created one on the flipping out YouTube that it's just simply called setting up a new pinball machine. And I'll walk you through every little thing that you need to do to set that up. Your first time you're setting it up, you'll need one extra hand. You're able-bodied and, and can lift up something, you know, a couple hundred pounds with a, with a, with a friend or family member, you'll be fine. But the whole setup process can be done in a video. Usually can be done within a half an hour. Um, in my opinion, much easier to do than paying for a dealer or somebody to come out to do a white glove because that's that's pretty costly. Yeah, I want to reinforce some of the things that you said. Um, not having, when you have an issue with your pinball machine, not having to deal with the manufacturer is a blessing. When you can, you have a quicker line of communication to them, they're going to be more responsive to you. I mean, I've, I've had to go back and forth with Stern on multiple things over the last decade and it's just required a lot of time sometimes like i'm i think i'm very polite in my email communication reasonable and very patient and sometimes the only way i ever got a result was basically like having to resort to screaming and yelling and then finally they'll they'll do something which is not not a way to be you know i'm still waiting on they said they're going to send me a mandalorian pro play field 
Um, I, 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 you didn't sell me this game. It was another distributor's by work with Stern directly. This was back in May. They've completely ignored me since then, and no indication I'll ever get one. You know, and, and I know that if I was working with you, it'd be a different story, and it has been a different story anytime I've had an issue. So that right there is is super, super valuable. Like, it's a no-brainer to me now. And, and I used to think that's just the way it is with some distributors. Like, people that I've bought games from before, I know in the community, and, and, and I like them, but my, the, I think what it used to be like is, like, you're on your own in many ways. Or, like, if I had an issue with a game, the distributor would, al like, almost give me a hard time with, with um, what I'm saying or, or my issue. When it was clearly Stern's fault. There's clearly something wrong with the game. Like, they would make me feel bad saying something about it. Or, like, you know, like, I... I had again. I, I like this this distributor. Um, it's for our business side. We've been using the distributor for a long time. It's not it's not Uzac. Um, you know the um, sim. What is it? The uh, the SD card stopped. It got bricked when it was doing a in, Insider Connected update mm -hmm. on our Godzilla location. So now the um, Insider thing doesn't work because the uh, SD card is bricked. Even though they can update it, and you know. I like this guy, but when I told him about it, he's like, how'd you do that? It's like, dude, I fucking, you know, I was just, I hit update on the game and it froze and Kevin was even there. He saw the game freeze and broke and he just sent me like a SD card that I could have bought off the shelf. And I told him, I don't have an SD card on my, on my, on my desktop computer. I have a $2,000 gaming computer. It doesn't have an SD card. He's like, you don't have an SD card reader. It's like, fuck dude, this is not a helpful. So I've not fixed it since then. And and that's the kind of thing, and and that's kind of I think what the what the business had been before you entered it. It was a lot of like, God damn it, there's a problem. It's an aggravation. So I think a lot of people just had to just figure it out on their own. Which, you know, when you buy any other product, that's not how it is. You know, you buy a product and you expect it to work. And if there's an issue, you you call the person who sold it to you, and and they they they're happy. To, they usually, I'm sorry, it doesn't work. Let, let's let's get this fixed. The end of story. Yeah, so that's, that's the a lot of the reason I got into this too was. I've had dealers and there are some great dealers out there uh, for anybody that needs a reference, please email me uh, and I'll give you some great references to good dealers out there. But I've bought a lot of pinball machine and man, some of them were just shitty. It was almost like they collected money. And I, I know the argument from, from hobbyists. They're like, why do we need a distributor? They're a middleman. They're the ones making money. There's no reason we could get cheaper pinball machines gang. If we just bought direct and everybody sold direct. I was so sick and tired of that because dealing with dealers that wouldn't tell me the truth or just ghost me after I've, I've paid the money, I hated that. And back in the Wild West, man, that's that's how it was. Whenever we first got into it, again, only three years ago, so it didn't seem like long ago, but it, times have been uh, so much different where there would be times where you would, those dealers would give you the best deal, right? And they would go so much under MSRP, sometimes breaking the agreements that they have, because there are agreements that we have pricing agreements with these manufacturers that we cannot, we cannot go below a certain threshold without breaking our agreement. They would go breaking that agreement because if you had a problem, you have an issue, they wouldn't fight for you. They just say, you know, best of luck, uh, best of luck to you. But I wanted to change that. So there are times that Stern's called me crazy or people have called me crazy where they're like, you know, somebody's playfields chipping. We have, as Flip Now Pinball, have purchased playfields for people when the, a manufacturer wouldn't cover it. Or like you're saying, Nick, if you had an issue with an inside, I've had situations where I'm like, we'll just send you out a new kit. We'll send you out a new game. Like if you're having so many issues, I'll send you out a new game. I'll pay to have, I, we've lost thousands of dollars doing that, but you got to get something that works and you got to get something you're happy with because 
the next time that comes around, you're not going to buy a pinball machine from us, or even worse, you may get out of the hobby altogether, and we don't want that. So um, I think it's a bigger picture thing. So get a good dealer, and all will be well, I assure you. I think that's that's 100%. part of the shift from, you know, distributors used to sell to operators, and now so much of the market is in the home market where, you know, consumers are used to a certain level of service, customer service, uh, when, they, when they buy their products for their home versus an operator who could probably fix everything or 99% of issues that crop up. Uh, you know, if you're a first-time pinball buyer in your home and you don't know what's going on, like, I just want this game to work and uh, I, I want, a, I want a, uh, a dealer who's going to take care of me, right? Yeah, and I see a lot of questions in chat about uh, out-of-state stuff. So prior to us getting in, it used to be very territory-based. They would accept dealers and distributors throughout the country or throughout the world based on the location, so a service area. So if there was somebody close to me, they wouldn't necessarily put somebody else close because that service area can cover, you know, within a two-hour radius. And they would try to fill up the country doing so. Those days are gone. I, I've When I came in, I, I told Stern as we were growing rapidly, I said, look, uh, and Initially, they didn't. I'm gonna. They're. They tell you the same. They weren't crazy about me saying, "I don't have a territory. My territory is the United States. Like my reach. That's what my reach is going to be." Typically, they're like, "Eh, no," because then you're crossing different territories. And I had to remind them, and we all talk about it. This is 2020, 2021, 2022. The internet is a thing. So, gone are the days that you're getting a milkman to bring you milk. Like. You want a pinball machine, you can order it online. So why does it matter if I'm in Indiana? We ship just as many machines to the state of Washington and California than we do the next state over. Uh, so gone to those days, but you would then have to figure out, well, since I'm not local and, and can't help that person physically by driving over there, what can I do? And that's where people like uh, Berg Bookie, who's been awesome as a tech for us, we will contact one of you pinheads out there that say, hey, you want to make really good money by going to fix something that's easily manageable? We try to pay very substantially for it to be worth their time uh, to go over there, fix something, so that they don't mind picking up the call again whenever we need to use them as a tech. I think that's the only way going into the future things are going to work. I don't think it's territory-based. You don't have to worry about territory-based stuff. We need, we need good techs, uh, and then the dealers that are willing to pay those good techs to get stuff done and get it done quick. Yeah, man. Well said. You're 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 kind of crushing it, and it's no mystery why you're crushing it. With your kind of, you know, good communication, understanding what the customer needs. It's it's kind of a low bar that was set for so long, but Completely you know, you, you you've raised it now, and it's it's a no brainer. Recommend you. You know, you whatever whatever you're making as a middleman, it's it's well deserved because I don't want to deal with shit when I have a game and I shouldn't have to. So uh, nope. thanks for uh thanks for helping everybody. It, um, it doesn't say that we're perfect either. Like. Look, I make mistakes. I make mistakes as a as a person. I make mistakes as a friend of yours in pinball. I make mistakes as a dealer. I will continue to make mistakes. I try to minimize those mistakes, but there's times that things slip through the cracks. There's times that my lead times of getting back with somebody are not not immediate like I like. Plenty of times I'm answering the phone at 11 or I'm responding back at 11 p.m. because I'm stupid crazy about pinball. Um, but... Yeah, I, uh, this isn't all, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs. I make plenty of mistakes, too. And for those of you who have uh, encountered one of those mistakes, my apologies. But, um, but yeah. 
right, we're coming up on two hours, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, Kevin, Ryan, any uh, last questions for for Zach? Actually, there was one. Uh, hold that thought for a sec. There was one in the uh, chat that I thought was a good question. I wanted to read, um, and and I, I don't know. I'll, I'll find out who asked this. But the question was, if you have a sense of the breakdown between um, percentage of operators versus home buyers that you're selling to. Every distributor is going to be different. Our specialization is the pinball enthusiast crowd. So the the pin side people, the Facebook group people, the Buffalo pinball people, people. So that's our specialty, but we get most of the collectors. So I would say my operators are maybe 5% of our business. Um, yeah, that's about 5%. We serve the people who are like me, who just have to have everything like brand new topper or, or whatnot. Uh, yeah. But we have a lot of operators as well. And we try to get them. I was just seeing Chris, the Pintern asking about how do I decide who gets games first? Stern makes it easy because you only get the amount of pros in that first run by a very detailed list uh, with a pain in the ass that I have to type up all the operators, their locations, who's the operator, their number, and that's how many pros they're going to give me in that first run. So um, they're making a push to get operators their games the quickest. All right. Kevin, Ryan, any, any questions from Zach? Yeah, I like the I like the questions you asked uh, Ryan, uh, and I'll echo those for for Zach. What 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 do you love about distributing pinball machines, and 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 what's the thorn in your side? Uh, I love that it, this is truly a dream job. I was interviewed and accepted as a job by a couple different manufacturers, and I turned them down. Best decision I've made at this point because I think I can do more for this industry and this community by distributing pinball machines and creating content and media. Um, so it's truly a dream job. At some point I'll design a pinball machine, which all you roll your eyes and laugh, but it'll happen. Um, but I love, 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 love pinball people. I love the pinball game. Uh, the downside to distribution, the thing I don't like is not getting the shit that I order. <laughs> I like, if I, if I want to throw hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars at something, uh, I expect to get what I'm ordering, just like you guys expect at your pinball machine. Same thing for distribution. If I want toppers and I want to buy 100 and 200 toppers, I should get those 100 or 200 toppers. If I have a part and node board that need, customer needs, if it doesn't come around, my ass is going to pull it from my own game and I'm going to send it to that customer. I'm going to be down with the game, so I'm going to be really shitty because I can't play my stranger things. Um, so getting stuff quickly is the bane of my existence and lack of communication. But thankfully, I work with people like JJP and Stern Pinball, uh, Chicago Gaming, who at, are easily at the top of their game when it comes to all of that. Um, so it's just some of the little companies just got to catch up. You know, somebody asked a question about, um, I don't know if it's serious or joking, but they said, Zach, if you offer financing, I would buy all my new games from you. That, you know, that's not, that's, I, I remember like years ago, Somebody would like ask in Pinside, has anybody like taken out a loan or used a credit card to buy pinball? And you always have these people, oh, if you don't have cash for it, you know, you're stupid. First of all, they don't understand how debt works and how assets work because that's not necessarily stupid, especially right now. Um, I, I know what they're trying to say, but it's not that clear cut. I'm wondering, especially with pricing going up on everything and how expensive these are like, uh, well, what a used car you would be. Some of these games are approaching like you could buy a car for that mm -hmm. have you ever considered partnering with uh, like somebody that offers financing or what are, what are your thoughts on that i will uh, to answer one of your questions nick credit card payments are going to become the majority here pretty soon everybody pays with a credit card they want to get their miles um we typically 
they cost a little bit more to use a credit card because the margins, I hate to say it, but the margins in pinball distribution are not great. Our financial advisor getting into this said, wait a minute, you're going to push this much in sales for a year and this is your, like, what are you doing? And so, well, I, I love this, but margins are kind of crappy. They're getting better now, but uh, credit cards are used all the time. We do accept those. Um, financing, we've looked into a lot of loan uh, individuals doing those loans. They don't like loaning them uh, these expensive machines that are going to go into somebody's home and trying to get those back if they default on that. So it's hard. It, there's only a couple of companies willing to do financing through, but we are at Flipping Out Pinball. We are looking into that. The only thing that we have not jumped into yet is crypto stuff. Um, we have not accepted those types of payments, but I think that they are out there as well. Awesome. A good question from the chat. The chat's been on fire, so hopefully we've got to uh, at least awesome, the man. kind of the, the top questions that people might be thinking or having. Um, all right. Listen, we probably should wrap this up because the, uh, both Zach and Ryan had donated two hours of their time. This is a uh, – I love this discussion. I think this is one of our best podcasts, and I think uh, a lot of people um, have enjoyed it as well. But we got a, we got a raffle. We got a, we got a giveaway. So, Kevin, you got that. Yeah, so uh, everybody, uh, thanks to Flipping Out Pinball, they've uh, graciously donated a Mandalorian Translate, and everybody who has typed uh, or hashtag uh, giveaway in chat is entered to win. We have 37 entries right now. I'm going to pick the winner, and it's going to go to Mr. 9865. Mr. 9865, you're the winner. Not following the channel, though. You know, you can throw us a follow. Oh, come on. Follow. (laughs) You can throw us a follow, you know? Um, and so I will uh, whisper you, uh, which is private messaging on Twitch, to get, uh, get your information. We'll get your email address, and we'll get it to Zach, and he'll connect up with you to get you your Mandalorian Translate. So, so I, should, I, should, I should do the opportunity, though. I, I feel bad. I want to get this in before I forget, so apologies, Kev, for, for jumping in. But um, I, I should mention that Zach is the second best pinball content creator out there on the internet and i want him to have a chance to give a plug for all everything he also is doing in pinball so there you go man plug plug your work please oh thank you thank you so much uh we learned from the the best here at buffalo pinball and very in a lot of ways i assure you um friends of buffalo pinball we do uh i do straight down the middle a video youtube series with my best buddy greg bone and i Uh, we're also venturing off into non-pinball related stuff so check that out follow like and subscribe subscribe there i do a podcast formerly uh, it was the this week in pinball podcast it's now called the pinball show with dennis creasel and i we've tried to create a network kind of like buffalo pinball has been doing for years create a network called the pinball network and we have a lot of providers over there doing streams doing podcasts we have a dedicated channel now we do the pinball industry awards through that where we're recognizing some of the the great creators of both content and machines and stuff so tpn uh, is where it's at as well but what I love most about it is you'll see some figures out there uh, over the years. I think, Buffalo, you guys will appreciate this, that they're very popular and they work alone and they will continue to work alone. Uh, and that's what they do. But there are some people, the good people out there, they work as a team because this is friendship. This is fun. And you see those people succeed because they don't try to do it themselves and they don't try to hog the highway they're okay with everybody. Uh, and that's what the TPN group is. That's what Buffalo pinball is. And that's what a lot of the good people are out there. So, um, make a friend and create some content. And if you guys need help, always reach out to me at Zach Z A C H at flip letter in out pinball.com. I'll help you out. 
Yeah, speaking of which, dude, you talk a lot about collaboration. I, I heard a rumor that you and Gorn are going to collaborate on a Topper Talk. You've got the Topper King shirt on. What's 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 going on? Well, and I've got the Topper King, and he's cute, too. I like Gorn because he's – look, he's good. He's cute. He is cute. He's a Topper Squire. Uh, he's got a lot to learn. Uh, some people know a lot about Toppers, like, like Gorin, God bless him. Uh, and I know a lot about Toppers. But then some people move an entire industry uh, when it comes to Toppers. So he's got, he's got a couple steps to go to. But, yeah, he and I are going to battle it out on who knows the most and who loves the, the most Toppers. And that's me. I mean, Zach's got the shirt, so come at him, yep. Gorin. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. Have you guys seen those Topper prices? Wrecked. Jesus. Oh my God. Wait until you see the Mando topper. I'm telling you guys, I cannot hype this thing enough. The Mandalorian topper, it's coming. And all of you guys are going to want to buy one, even if you don't have the damn machine. Better than Black Knight's topper? It may be known internally as the Black Knight topper killer. I'm just saying that. Wow. Now I'll get a ah, nah, shit. I'm going to get an email. I'm going to get, get an email get from that one. Get uh, all right, Kev, anything else before we close this out? Well, we should give, give uh, Ryan an opportunity to uh, let folks know where they can find out more about him, uh, where oh, they can yeah. play his games on location, and, and buy his Comet LEDs. Oh, man, Zach's little thing there makes me feel like a slacker. Uh, <laughs> I Yeah, I, you know, if you need LEDs for your game, cometpinball.com is the place to get them from. Um, my arcade, which um, I'm really proud about, uh, which you know was built by other people over the last 17 years, and I got to carry the torch forward, is in Lyons, Colorado. It's about an hour from Denver. Got 52 uh, machines of all eras, and uh, there's not not a lot of places like this in Colorado or anywhere where um, you know it's not a bar. There's nothing else to do here but put quarters in machines and uh, listen to good music and have a good time. So. Um, come check that out if you're if you're in the area and um i don't know that's i you know i thought of one other thing about operator best practice if you are if stairs are involved get an escalera zach sells them oh, i yeah. was Thank resistant you. to this at the beginning it's like who wants to spend two thousand dollars on a dolly you know but if you can afford pinball machines uh you can you should have one of these dollies because you hurt your back one time and uh, you're gonna regret it so I got one more for Ryan. Ryan, uh, how do you pick the candy that goes in the orders? People love the candy that comes with the common orders. <laughs> uh, I think everybody has their own story about that. You know, they uh, if they don't like the candy, they think they've done something wrong. And if they do, that, you know, we remembered their favorite kind. So um, make up your own, uh, your own story and enjoy. <laughs> love it. All right, guys, listen, this is awesome. I just wanted to prove that we can run a serious podcast once in a while, not just um, we'll, we'll go back to shitting on all these crazy uh, uh, new companies that want to pop up because that's fun too. But we love you guys. You guys are, are both great for pinball and pushing pinball forward in, in your own way. So thanks for joining us. Proud to have you both as sponsors. And uh, we'll catch you all later. All right. Thanks, and uh, keep up so the work. If you haven't yet, be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter. Instagram, our YouTube channel is Buffalo Pinball. You can join our Facebook group. We're also on Discord, discord.gg slash Buffalo Pinball. If you're a subscriber to the channel, you can get in there and vote early on our, our monthly or weekly giveaways for uh, Brody Even Pinball every Thursday. Um, you can email us if you got questions, feedback about the show, talkpinball at gmail.com. You can follow and subscribe to the Twitch channel. Uh, it's a great way to support the content that we do. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you get Twitch Prime, which lets you share a Twitch subscription for free. That's a great way to 
support the channel if you've already got Amazon Prime. Um, if you haven't yet, give us a review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, it's a great way to for more folks to, to find out about the show. And uh, you can share it with a friend. Tell them, hey, you like pinball. Check out Brody. You even talk pinball. Um, stay tuned. We got a brand new episode of Topper Talk with Goran coming at you right now. So thanks, everybody, for another great month. And we'll see you then. Ridiculous. Topper talk with Goran right now. Let's all have some fun. This is about plastic on top of your pin. Go and buy one now. There's a topper here and a topper there. Here a topper, there a topper, everywhere a topper. It's critical to the gameplay experience. You must buy one now. It's your monthly fill of toppers right now. Topper talk with Goran. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Topper Talk with Gordon, the part of the podcast where Kevin and Nick give me about three to five minutes to talk about everything happening in the very active and profitable Topper community. Now, for our first Topper Talk of 2022, we're actually going to throw it back to an old game, a game that came out in 1992, and if you're guessing, the game is Fishtail. So let's head into the office and talk about that Topper. All right, so here we are in the garage, so let's uh, dive into Fishtails, no pun intended. So if we look at the top of the game here, Fishtails has a topper on top of the game, uh, and the topper consists of some cle a clear plastic uh, cover that has a fish prominently featured, and that is a three-dimensional fish uh, that's mounted on a backboard that uh, shows the fish sort of under the water and has the fish swimming towards some bait in the water. There's also lights mounted below the fish that flash. And Fishtails came out in 1992, and... When you think about what the pinball scene was in 1992, it was sort of flipped. Um, majority of the games built were on location and not as many were in the homes. And the purpose of a topper in the 90s is that the, it was to draw uh, guests at a location to that new game to play. And I think Fishtails did that successfully for multiple reasons. The way the topper works is during certain gameplay actions, um, the, the topper's activated, the lights go off, there's a lot of sound, and there's a solenoid in the uh, fish or mounted to the backboard that actually causes the fish to uh, flop around, and that would draw a lot of attention to the game. But not only would the actual flopping draw a lot of attention to the game and the lights draw a lot of attention to a game, but you know when you think about the purpose of a knocker in a pinball machine, that was to alert everyone in the game that, hey, you want a free game and check this out and you should play this game too. And the solenoid in Fishtails is so loud that I actually think it causes everyone in an arcade to stop and look to see what that sound is. And clearly, uh, the game was a success, not just because of the topper, but it was working because Fishtails had over 13,000 uh, cabinets built. Um, now, it's funny. Nowadays, most Fishtails are in private homes, and most collectors probably can't even fit the topper on top of their game in the location where the game is. Um, but I forget who the collector who told the story was. And if anyone knows, drop it down in the comments below. But I know someone who actually put the fishtails topper on their wall in their like home arcade. And when the topper was activated, it'd be sitting on the wall or in the shelf and it would still actually work, which is kind of neat. Uh, fishtails is a game that I would love to own someday, not just for the topper, but it certainly, I think, adds to the experience for me. And it's actually, I think, pretty critical to the operator's experience, or was back then, because it really drew people to the game and enhanced the overall zany atmosphere. That's Fishtails. So I give this topper uh, a high rating. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Topper Talk with Gorin. Uh, tune into the next bro show for another episode and get out there and buy a topper. Thank you for coming to my Topper Talk. Thank you.